Be who you are. Dream what you really want to do. Then, do it. Be, dream, do. Living by Design, the radio show, is focused on people sharing their stories of how they were able to understand what they were really passionate about, had the courage to dream big, and then did it. Now, join the conversation. Hi, welcome back to Be, Dream, Do Radio. I'm your host for the day, Sean Whitehorn. I'm here with my dad. Hey, good morning there, Sean. Good morning, listeners. And uh, today's a very special guest. It's a friend, actor, producer, and director, Hans Hernke. Hello, good morning from Los Angeles. How's it going, Hans? Very good. Awesome, thank you. How are you guys doing? Very well, very well. Thanks uh, for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Definitely. So you are in the movie business. That is right. You uh, you act. Yeah. In, you, that, that's <laughs> so you you act in movies. You produce movies, and you also direct. Yep, yep. I um I direct like little spec commercials and things like that. I've never fully directed a, a feature before, but that's something I'll definitely I'd like to explore later on down the road. But um, I mainly just like to to act and produce, and uh, when I'm not doing that i also stand in on big tv shows and that kind of keeps me uh going throughout the year yeah so right now get- sorry mm-hmm. right now what are you what's uh you're doing a pretty big uh stand-in gig right now aren't you yeah i um just finished animal kingdom season three awesome. and uh, that wraps last month in oceanside i've been on that since uh season one wow. standing in for mr finn cole and uh huh. He's uh he's one of the Peaky Blinders, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, <laughs> he'll he'll slip in and out of his uh, his accent once in a while. Awesome. Um, when he's not in character, he'll he'll have his full on British accent. And when he gets back into his character, the accent's just gone. But he's a really really nice guy, and um, just being a part of that show for three years now has been um incredible i've met some really awesome people and i just love my job like i wake up in the morning so happy to go to work every day and you know people i gotta thank for that job is my friend steve dale and and uh kelly joe tack at the ad's that brought me on on season one and now we're going to season four (laughs) that is awesome yeah So, so and then i know you're also um you're working on other projects. You're right now. You're finalizing the post production for a movie. It's a, another plan from outer space. Yeah, that that film we did um, last year. We shot it in uh, Twenty Nine Palms, and we filmed it like literally the day after I wrapped Animal Kingdom season two. Wow. I had to drive all the way up from Oceanside to Twenty Nine Palms, and uh, we filmed the whole movie in eight days. Technically wow. nine with a with a reshoot day like a few months later, but um, it's been in post for a year just because the director, he has a, a regular job and he's been editing it and, sure. you know, we both have to pay our bills and um, the the film is coming together really nicely. It's actually blowing my expectations out of the water. I'm like, I'm so surprised how how much things have been changing with the movie, especially with uh, the sound design. Okay. Um, we have a guy at Sony Studios doing 
the full-on sound design, and we got a really, really good deal wow. on him. And um, our two producers, Diane Baldwin and her boyfriend, Marty, brought him on because he's never done a, a feature before. And this, he wanted to use our movie as a stepping stone to do sound. And every time I've heard his sound mix for our movie, I'm like, wow, this is this is like studio level sound and it's blowing me away and I'm I get so excited about the movie now. That's awesome. It's uh the sound design has definitely changed the tone of the movie than what we originally intended it to be. And it just takes up the production value that much more. Yeah. Yeah, he's got all these cool ideas. He's doing a 5.1 Dolby surround mix. He's he's going to make it really really good for the audience and it, like some of the scenes that he's done some really awesome design on. We never thought that that was going to sound like that when we shot the movie. Wow. We're like, wow, this really sucks you in now. So I'm I'm excited to show the movie next well, month in Orlando, and then the month after we'll do an L.A. premiere. I mean, it's amazing. I hear what you're talking about, the sound. It's amazing how sound um, sucks you in, like you said. I mean, it really is amazing. Uh, that's a powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just like a, a horror movie. A lot of horror movies re- rely on sound, like Paranormal Activity, those movies, uh-huh. all relied on, on sound design, you know? The fear. The stuff that you don't see on camera, is, it's coming from the sound. You know, like every time that the, the demon or the ghost would make itself known, you'd hear that low rumbling sound. You're like, oh, something's going to happen. So, you know, it's... Like Jaws, you don't really yeah. see this. Well, you don't really see the shark. <laughs> it's it's funny that you mentioned that, Hans, because Sean and I were just remembering. Yeah. Um, our granddaughters, right? One's four years old, and the other one is going to be two in August, right? And so here they are in the swimming pool, Hans. Get this: they put uh-huh. their hands together and go, do 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 and it's amazing what kind of an impact sound has on on people. And they haven't even seen the movie. And they haven't seen the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely exactly is worth it, a lot. <laughs> it's like somebody going up to a fan and get saying, you know, Luke, I am your father in the fan, trying to make the Darth Vader sound. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I I definitely know you love what you're doing. I know you, um, I know you're passionate about it in the in the hugest way. That's that's why I called you up. It's I know you like collections of autographs, these these books you've had, um, mm-hmm. you know, quotes of famous celebrities, and um, but my main question is, um, where did where did it all begin? Well, um, it all started in Orlando, Florida. Okay, I was originally from Wisconsin. And my family came from a cheese-making family. My dad owned a cheese factory called Hunky Foods with his two brothers. And they made all sorts of things. And Sargento, Sargento Cheese was our distributor. And um, when it was time for them to, it felt like it was time for them to move on, um, Sargento bought the company out and when that happened, I was like, Dad, I wanted to, I wanted to work in your cheese factory someday. <laughs> but uh, I think God had a different plan for me. So when they moved to Orlando, they started working for Campus Crusade for Christ, and that's where I discovered acting was in high school. Um, my drama teacher, Sarah Thomas, uh, she presented me with the lead role in a uh, 
a play for high school. It was Harvey, and I played the role of Elwood P. Dowd. Right. So I had to pretend that that, that big rabbit was around. And uh, <laughs> that's where I really discovered my my passion for acting. And a lot of people in my class were always telling me, yeah, you, you're so over the top with things, you should be an actor. I'm like, all right. So I, I took them seriously, and I went to uh, an agent and did a monologue and got an agent there. And wow. they sent me out on auditions, and uh, they would book me on a couple things. And here's here's the tricky part about that. Is I was still in high school, and I remember when I bro- booked my first film, um, I went to the principal to ask for days off. And he's like, "Is it? Are you taking days off to like go to work?" And I said, <laughs> "Well, technically, yeah." He's like, "Well, we don't allow students to go take days off to go to work." And I said, "No, you don't understand. This is gonna, this is gonna benefit me when I get out of high school. Like, this is gonna be my career." And he wow. said, "All right, I'll make an exception. If you keep good grades, I'll let you do prearranged absences to get out of class." And just, you know, do your homework. But if you got a bad grade in any of your classes, and it was usually math for me, I can't let you go out and do these auditions and shoots. And I said, I totally agree with that. I'm down. My parents were fully supportive of that. And I kept my grades good. And I was able to go out on auditions and book some things. That's how I got into SAG. I booked a national commercial down there. And it just came to full circle. It's like... God had a plan for me in Orlando, even though I didn't want to be there originally. I wanted to be in Wisconsin, making cheese, being a cheesehead Packer <laughs> fan. And it all just changed when when we moved to Orlando. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do when for the rest of my life. And uh, I decided to go to Vancouver Film School in Canada. And I was only there for two months why why did you choose Canada? Sorry. <laughs> well, I heard that school, the the acting school there was really really good, so my dad and I went out there and we checked it out and um you know, I wrote them a letter and I got several letters of recommendation from my agent and um from my drama teacher in high school and they took me in and they said, "Yeah, we'll we'll accept you." So I got accepted and I only did the program for 2 months and it was only supposed to be a year and I I didn't really quit the school. I I left because I thought I had this really big opportunity, which turned out to be completely false because there's a lot of that in this industry too. And it was kind of devastating to me because it was my first time being out on my own, going to, you know, like I was going to a school, I was happy. But then the school was also asking me too, like, I just seem kind of bored in some of these classes. Yeah. What's, uh, What's going on? I said, all the stuff that you guys are teaching with the acting, I, I've learned this stuff already in Orlando. Yeah. And they're like, well, why why are we here then? I said, well, maybe I might learn something new. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And I said, well, look, if I go out and do this project, can I come back to school? And they said, no, you, you, it's one or the other. And I was that's wow. where I had to make the tough decision. And I called my parents and said, I'm going to move back. And... They re- the school refunded me all of my money, which was oh, great. Good. Yeah, I was in enough. T- I was in enough uh, time period for them to refund me all my money. Okay. <laughs> and then I moved back, and I worked in a movie theater for about a half a year, and I had fun working there. And but but by the time 
that six months came up, I was like, man, I want to be making movies, not selling tickets for movies. Yeah. You know? So that's when I packed my bags and moved to Los Angeles and went to New York Film Academy, and it all just grew from there. <laughs> um, that was 2002. So I was. So um, how would you compare the roles that you were getting back then at a younger age to the ones that you're getting like now? What, what, what kind of projects were you in? <clears throat> um, well, a lot of the stuff I was doing back then were um, like short student films and um, – like little things for New York Film Academy, and there was one for uh, the Chat the Chapman um, School, the film school okay. yeah. that's out in the valley. In OC, um, was that in the Orange County? Right. No, there's actually there's one here in the valley too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, um, I was just booking these little these little bit parts and things like that, and um, I guess just all the experience I had being on set got me more experience to uh get to where I want to be um definitely everything that makes any up. sense like things started maturing a little bit for me and you know I would watch the actors on set do their thing and I would learn by seeing what they're doing and then also I you know a part of me wanted to do behind the scenes work so I would watch what the production assistants were doing and the ADs were doing, and that's how I got my experience doing that, just by watching them. Because yeah. my film school was only like two, uh, a two-month program. The New York Film Academy was only a two-month thing. So, um, But the roles I started going out for were seemed to be a little bit more towards my age. And Okay. Um, yeah, it's it just the evolution was kind of... Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I can't play super young anymore. Those days are are gone unless they digitally remove uh, <laughs> hair from my face and and my hair be <laughs> all darkened again. Right now, my hair is very salt and peppery, so <laughs> my wife, has, I'm due for a dye. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're uh, you know, um, my hair is all salt, but anyway, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, you mentioned that. Uh, there was this project that um, motivated you. You had the different motivations to leave the school in Vancouver. Like you said, some of the things that they were going over were things that you already did, but uh, there was a project also that was, uh, that enticed you to leave or kind of sparked you to leave, but that it didn't turn out is what I understood you to say. Did I get that right? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and what was that project? Well, I, I've been talking to this uh, filmmaker that lived in Texas for a while and, you know, I actually forgot her name, and yeah. that's totally fine because yeah. it, was, it was something I just had to learn and forget later on Yeah, and just kick out the door. But the experience alone, I just remember she was pitching to me, like, we have this pilot that we're going to do for Showtime, okay. and I'm going to be directing it. I want you to be my co-director and learn from this experience. And she showed me, like, letters of intent where they had, like, you know, $750,000 to shoot the pilot in New York and all that stuff. She was showing me all these different proofs that this thing was happening. And I got all excited about it. And, you know, I showed my parents and sure. I showed my the people at the school. Yeah. And I said, look, this might be a really awesome opportunity for me to go do a pilot for Showtime. Yeah. For like, uh, I think it was 20 episodes they wanted to do. And... Then I said, the only way I'm going to have to do this, though, is I'm going to have to leave the school. Right. 
and go out and do that. And this school, that's when the school said, no, it's just, it's one or the other. Right, right. And that's when I had to, I really had to make that hard decision. But I think that all happened for a reason. And I don't, in the end, I was like, I mean, I just should have moved to L.A. to yeah. begin with and not Vancouver. But, you know, it's those little things that that uh, that I learned from. And ironically, I flew back to Orlando the day before 9-11 as well. Oh, my goodness. So, wow. Yeah, the wow. timing was uh, it was pretty impeccable timing. <laughs> oh my so that, but, whole, that whole project, none of that project worked out at all. Oh yeah, none none of it worked out. As soon as I got back, you know, I did some more follow ups, and then, yeah. then this lady just disappeared. I never yeah, heard from her yeah, ever again. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you recover from that? I mean, that must have been devastating, right? Because you had a you had something going in Vancouver, and then uh, you know you really get excited, and then boom, it all disappears. I mean, every industry's got something weird, you know, happening, obviously. But how did you recover? Yeah. How'd you recover from that? That's that's a pretty major blow. Yeah, well, I I guess my mind was just like as soon as that happened, the thought of all right, you know what? If that's not going to happen, then I'm moving to L.A. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my mind was immediately set to move to L.A. And I was still working at the movie theater, and I w- I went out to L.A. with my dad. Yeah. We drove around, we looked at some places, and um. I went to the film school, checked it out, and they showed me the back lot at Universal. Yeah. And uh, then I got, you know, some letters of recommendation from other filmmakers I worked with in Florida. And then I, that's how I got in. And I did the two-month program. It was a lot of fun shooting on the Universal back lot and all your little student films and things. And then after that, I just continued working on set. I do like a lot of... Uh, like background work too, which you know, if you're in the union, it 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 pays well and sure. keeps you afloat each month. And that's how I learned a lot of my experience was just working. You know, background. I would watch everybody on set and observe what they were doing, and then that's eventually how I became a stand-in because a lot of these companies they want stand-ins yeah. with experience. Well, how are you going to get somebody with experience if they've never done it before? So I watched, and they and one day an AD came up to me and said, hey, have you stood in before? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've done it. I'm like, okay, um, this is what you're going to do. And I never, I never did it before. <laughs> so I got on the mark and I did my thing and I just remembered what I saw the others standing doing yeah. when I was watching them. <laughs> and then you, you become good at that. Yeah. The ADs are going to keep bringing you back for more standing work. And that's how I got my job in Animal Kingdom and – the HBO series Hung and Everybody Hates Chris, all those shows, <laughs> movies. I mean, that, that's fantastic. I mean, here you had this big setback. A lot of people just say, heck, the heck with uh, acting or whatever. Yeah. But uh, you, yeah. you had no doubt. So you just you went somewhere else and m- made a go of it. So that, that's amazing, Hans. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, what were your, so you just moved to L.A. What were your, some of your first impressions? Um, overall... Wow, this is a big city. I'm going to yeah. get lost driving around. How am I going to find where I'm going? My Thomas Guide. Remember the Thomas Guides? Oh, I didn't, I didn't use the Thomas Guide. <laughs> yeah. I always had a Thomas Guide in my in my little black Jetta. Okay. And, you know, when you got a booking from Central, they would tell you, oh, your your location is on page 565 in your Thomas Guide. 
on the grid at wow. F6. This is where you're going, and this is before all the, the smartphones and all that, so that's how I found my way around was the Thomas guy. We actually got used to it, and but man, this town's uh, sort of expensive, but I'll make it work. Yeah. And now it's like way more expensive than it was in 2002. Definitely. And yeah, so and you know, other than that, it's like my other impressions were it's hard to to meet really good friends out here, like a solid group of friends. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things you do on set is you make you make friends, but a lot of the friends that you make on set are just my wife says they're they're business acquaintances yeah. acquaintances sometimes, and you know you scratch their back, they scratch yours. But I've made some really really good solid people I love to call my friends that I can be personable with and things like that too. So, but it also L.A. can be a very lonely um, town, and um, where I was living, I was living in Burbank in a two-bedroom apartment with an older roommate. This, I have so many stories about that guy, but he was just, he was really, he was really, really bizarre. And LA I, yeah. <laughs> and the, 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 the price that I was paying for my rent was unbeatable. It was like $400 every month wow. for a two bedroom. So that's why I stayed there. And it was right across the street from Walt Disney studios. Okay. According to my roommate, the property that we lived on was Disney Studios property. And I don't know why the rent wasn't sky high from being on that property, but um, I lived there for eight years until I met my girlfriend, now wife. Um, she saw where I lived. She's like, we need to get you out of here. I was like, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so then we found a place in Valley Village. And funny enough, the anniversary of us finding that place is today. It showed up on my Facebook timeline that today was the day that we found this place that we've lived in for eight years now so yeah when i met her like that completely changed my life around she's a wonderful wonderful woman and that's amazing um and when you were when you first coming over there did you have what sort of doubts did you have about the whole situation when i first moved to la the the doubts that i had yeah um, well, some of the doubts were, you know, am I going to be able to get a job to, to make it every single month? And am I going to get an agent that's going to send me out? Um, how often am I going to start working on set? Things like those were doubts in my mind. And, you know, you have to go in with a really realistic expectation. Like I know some people, they, they move out here and they instantly think that they're going to be famous by just dropping their head, like walking into the studio and dropping your headshot off. And that's not how that works. Yeah. You can't really do it that way. Or, um, you know, conveniently leaving your headshot somewhere in a coffee shop for somebody to see. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Business cards everywhere. <laughs> yep. I mean, people have left their scripts in coffee shops too. <laughs> wow. I've heard that story as well. Um, but overall, I just, I think a lot of my, like when I started working on set and a lot of my doubts started going away and I was like, I can do this. I I'm having fun with it. And, you know, I'm going to take my time and not rush myself. And, you know, I eventually got an agent and they sent me out on some auditions and a lot of the stuff though I get now is, 
is through myself. Okay. Just yeah. through people I've worked with and how do you stay uh proactive like uh you know some people say you have an agent they're going to get you all the work and then uh you know you're stuck waiting by the phone how do you stay proactive marketable Well back in um back in 2002 you know social media really wasn't a big thing okay yeah around then um but now that it's here I try to tell, like, I've met actors before. They're like, oh, I, I'm not, I don't do the Facebook thing. I'm like, why? I said, well, I just, I don't. I said, but, you know, that's where a lot of your, your marketing and showing what you can do is it's all done through Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, all that stuff now. And a lot of casting is now done on, yeah, on Facebook and, and Instagram. And one of the things that you have to do is make definitely make yourself look like you're always busy. So that's why, like, every day I'm posting a, a picture from something or a throwback picture, and the first thing people say to me when they see me is like, wow, Hans, I would, dude, you have been look like you've been really busy. I'm like, I know. That's, that's the persona that you want to put out there. Mm-hmm. So then people want to, like, well, I want to, I want to work with you someday. I want to collaborate with you. And then it just kind of flows from there. So... Being on social media every day, it it helps, and but you know you got to take a break from it once in a while, um, and yeah, that's it's just how you gotta you just gotta make yourself constantly look active. Like today, I just posted a a clip from The Howling. I had to ask my uh, my friend, the director, if I could snag that. And he said, "Oh yeah, absolutely." I said, "If it helps get the movie out there even more," and you know that's it's one of the important things about being an actor or an actress is, you know, you got to promote your own work. Yeah, definitely. Like, what are you in this business for if you're not going to promote your own films? Yeah. That's a good... Or something that you've done. I'm glad you mentioned that about social media, and I think that is, uh, you know, people use social media for different things, and people who have their own business say, okay, fine, social media is part of that business, and what people don't realize is that you have a business, right? You actually have a business of acting. And you're bringing yeah. it to life through social media. We've had uh, other people here most recently. We had an Emmy Award-winning uh, composer, musician. And you can see him all the time uh, on Facebook, Twitter. Um, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah. He's, he's out there all the time and sharing about different gigs that he, he gets and whatnot. So, Hans, that's, that's a good point that you bring up. Uh, and a good message I think we can all take away. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And no, no matter how small or big a, my part is in a film, I like to plug what I've worked on, and that makes the director, the producers, very happy when they see that. It's almost like a, in a way, you're saying, "Hey, thank you for putting me in your project." You know, yeah. like the movie I did with uh, Tara Reid in this past May. I I had like a one line in the movie with Tara. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going to promote the heck out of it when it comes out because that's just, it's, it was something I was happy to work on. And I'm also one of the producers on it too. So I got I to gotta do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and But no matter how big or small your role is, you should definitely, you know, tell people about your work. It's a, then why did you do this to begin with if you're not going to tell people about it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. a painter 
painting their their stuff in their studio and then putting it away in a closet. It's like open up an art gallery and show it. Put it in an art gallery and show people what you can do. And I gotta think I that um, I'm sorry. I, I got uh-huh? I gotta think that you know by doing all that you get a following. And then by having a following, you're more likely to be hired on because they're like, how many people like your page? You know, how many people can you bring to watch this next project that we want you to be on? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes people are uncomfortable about, you know, kind of like bragging on themselves a little bit. But, uh, you know, like you said, why are you doing what you're doing? And your metaphor about the artist who does the painting and just puts it in the closet is really spot on. Really spot on. Yep. So Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> do you find yourself um, working more towards getting a part than actually acting? Is that the... Um, that's a good question. Difficult reality of the business? Yeah, definitely working more towards it is that's the right way, way to put it. Um, it just depends on how you you network with people, and if you work well with people, they'll bring you back for more. And sometimes it's you don't really have to work for that. It's like you've earned your spot, and now you're invited back. And I, a perfect example of that is with Greenway Entertainment, my friend Stephen in the UK. Yeah, is I supported his projects a long time ago, and I got like little associate producer credits on his movies. And I said, "Hey, man, I want to come out there, and I want to work with you someday. I want to be in one of your films." And he's like, "Okay, I'll let you know when that day comes." And then I waited patiently for a while, and then finally, you know, the Haunted movies came, and he said, <laughs> "Hey, I have a part for you in the Haunted movies." You can be the American ghost hunter in all these movies. You want to do it? I've been waiting a long time for you to do that. So then I started doing that. I would fly over there and do those movies with him. And and uh, he said, you know, whatever I have coming up, like I want to keep keep bringing you back. So they brought me back for Howling, then Red Army Hooligans. He wanted to bring me out there last month for um, two movies that he's doing right now but I couldn't because I would have literally had to fly the day after we wrapped Animal Kingdom, and I just needed to take a little breather. So I said, maybe I'll come back in the fall because he's got another movie planned in the fall, and I'll fly out there and do that. So I built a working relationship with him, but that it took a long time to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and another example is my friend Randy Kent. Like, I helped him produce a short, and... If he has a feature that he's doing, he'll always try to slide me in a little role. So a lot of it definitely is, a lot of time is working on getting a part in something than acting, I think. Yeah, it sounded <laughs> like you, you like planted the seeds, you kind of put it out there, and then when it kind of like, you're ready to go, you're always ready to go, and then when it when it aligns, you know, they give you a call. Hey, Han- yep. Hans, you were talking about Red army hooligans and uh going off to the uk i know the brits basically invented the word hooligan i guess so <laughs> i'm curious could you share with us uh, and the listeners uh a little bit about the movie oh red army hooligans uh, takes place during the you know the present day world cup and uh it's about a, a hooligan that got into a fight a long time ago and 
he suffered a, a head injury and he's got this uh, amnesia and he's trying to remember who he is and who people are. Like he doesn't even remember who his own daughter is. And his daughter shows up a couple of times mm-hmm. throughout the movie. And he thinks the daughter is actually a next door neighbor girl. And at the end of the movie, he realizes, Oh my goodness, that's my daughter. And he, um, he gets back together with his other, his other hooligan friends and he wants payback on whoever gave him this head injury. So, since they can't get into the World Cup, they kind of make their own sporting games. Like they do like boxing, bare knuckle fights, and um, they do a uh, five aside soccer game. I think that's what they call it over yeah. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, then they do a poker tournament. And that's where I come in. So they have this American poker player named Tex Mex, all the way from America, to come <laughs> <and> play poker. <laughs> They so give I you got, a toothpick? So I, no, I had a cigar. Oh, nice. I spoke to Steve and I wanted a cigar for the character. So um, that playing that role was a dream come true for me because when I watched the 1994 movie Maverick, remember Maverick with Mel Gibson? James sure Ryan, do, yeah. yeah. Famous, yeah. I love that movie. And I, after I saw it, I was like, I want to play a role just like that someday. And when Steven told me about playing this character, I said, Boom! That's my dream just came true. So I watched the movie again a few times, and I used a lot of influence from the poker scenes from that movie to play this character. And I had to work on a little uh, accent. My friend was from Texas, so she kind of helped me out with some words. And um, I just had so much fun playing that that character. And we just we knocked the, all the poker scenes out in one day. It was a lot to film because you, you got to film every person that's at the table. Um, but I had so much fun playing that, that role. And it definitely shows in the movie too. Like the, the people that saw it at the premiere in, uh, the UK, they said, Oh, you were, you were great. And that looks like you had a good time playing that character. I said, that's exactly what I was going for. And, um, yeah, it's Tex-Mex. I love the name. Yeah. What a great experience. When can we see this movie here in the States? I'm hoping I'm hoping later this year. I know that he's got a uh, distribution deal um, that'll be putting it on DVD here. I it was supposed to be June, it was supposed to be on Amazon Prime in June, but um, you know, a little there's always little setbacks with distributors and things like that. And um, hopefully it'll be it'll be here soon. And once it is, of course, I'll be pushing as much as I can on social media so people can watch it. But um, the Howling, that our film I did with him, that's available now on Amazon Prime for people to watch. And it's not a remake of the 1981 movie. We actually, this is a funny story, we had people from Warner Brothers coming down on us saying, change your title of your movie, wow. or we're going to sue you. And um, the creators of the 1981 movie came after us, and we said, look, this movie is not a remake of your movie. It's not even close to what your movie is. And if you go on IMDb and you type in The Howling, there's tons of titles, The Howling, on IMDb. So we're not stealing your movie. So I just finally told them, you know, cease and desist, stop. And they did. They actually stopped. But I think there was a couple articles out there that were misrepresenting our movie, saying we were a remake of the 1981 movie. And that's where that all that confusion came in. So, 
I'm glad that cleared up, and it's really nothing like the <laughs> 81 movie. And in The Howling, that's when you were the American Ghost Hunter? <laughs> um, no, the the American Ghost Hunter was the uh, Haunted movies. There's oh, Haunted okay. 2, okay. 3, 4, and 5. Um, the Howling, I play a, a really creepy villainous character named Shelley. He's like your typical caretaker of those uh, those old 1940 haunted house movies, you know. Yeah, and that's how I played them off. Um, But the haunted movies, those were, you know, I I've done ghost hunting before, and I knew how to play this guy off. So the haunted two and three, we filmed back to back, 24 hours. We filmed both movies in 24 hours. Wow. And that really wiped me out. (laughs) Because it's like I flew to London, and then the following day I shot both movies, and then the next day I was, like, deathly ill in my bed. Like, I wanted to go out and sightsee. I couldn't go out and sightsee. I was so, so sick. And I probably lost, like, five pounds that day. That's how sick I was. Oh, my. It was really bad. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, why am I so ill right now? I think my body just went into complete shock of the time zone change and then filming for 24 hours. So the hosts that kept me at their house, uh, Manny and Roger Sims, they were very sweet. They got me whatever I needed, mainly bananas and crackers and Gatorade (laughs) to keep me going. But I said, the next day, if I feel better, I'm going out and I'm going to go explore because I'm not throwing this trip away and being sick the whole time. So, then I came back a year later and did four and five, and I played the same thing. And this time we kind of took our time with it. We didn't do a 24-hour shoot, so I felt better. And then I came back into the howling. And um, do you find yourself um, usually playing the same characters a lot, or do you have the opportunity to play different types of characters? Um, I, I definitely think I'm playing a lot of different characters now, which is awesome. I know the, the ghost hunter stuff, I've been there, done that before. And if I ever get offered to do that again, I'll, of course I'll do it in a heartbeat. I think that's one of the things I'm doing maybe this fall with Steven is another ghost hunter type movie. And I'll be playing kind of the same character, but you know, him offering me the role in the howling as the, the creepy in, in the, the caretaker. I was like, perfect. I want to play that cause I've never played something like that before. And then when I got offered the um, role as the Lieutenant Brooks, the astronaut in the the Another Planet from Outer Space movie, I said, great, I want to play that because I've never played an astronaut before and I've always wanted to play one after watching Apollo 13 and Armageddon. I want to go for that. And then playing a cowboy-type role for Tex-Mex for uh, Red Army Hooligans, I wanted to do that too. So I'm I'm always open to different... Roles like Hidden Agenda, I played the the detective. Never done that before, so yeah, I, I like to explore different things that are are given to me, and you just got to be very versatile, and you got to prove that because I know like a lot of the actors they just play the same character over and over again, but I want to be versatile and play different roles and explore them. You know, sure. Is there is there um. Any particular role that you would want to be known for, though? Or no, man. So that's, a, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I don't... That's one I'd, I'd have to think about. 
Well, oh, hopefully my 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 uh, Tex-Mex role and my astronaut role will, will stand out and people will like it. I know people like Tex-Mex, so I actually have people still calling me Tex-Mex today. Nice, which is funny. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, it sounds like Hans, maybe you're taking some pride in being versatile and not being kind of put into a corner. So maybe maybe that's what I'm. Maybe that's what's going through your mind a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I just got to be very careful on on the roles that I mm-hmm. I, I choose because some of them are actually you know I've had to turn down. Like I auditioned for a, a film a couple of years ago, and I don't think this film ever saw the light of day. And I'm actually kind of glad it didn't because I went to you know when I went to this audition, the whole movie was about these people allowing themselves to be demon possessed. These demons are trying to escape from hell right? and they have a contract. They have this contract. Well, you can escape from hell, but you've got to inhabit a body for 24 hours. And like these characters in the film play the bodies that these demons inhabit. And so I go to the audition and the guy's like, all right, act demon possessed. And I said, okay, how do you want this played out though? Do you want the typical, like, Linda Blair exorcist type thing <laughs> or like you want this over the top or really creepy like yeah. the exorcist Emily Rose L- literally head turning <laughs> yeah just do, it, just do whatever you want <laughs> yeah, it's alright so I took a moment and I, I centered myself and then I just started going ballistic and there were things coming out of my mouth I never thought I would say and it almost started becoming very dark mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. And I had to turn the switch off. And I said, "Well, I'm." I like snapped out. I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm good." And they were, and I looked at their faces, and their their mouths dropped, and they're like, "Holy cow, Hans, mm-hmm. we did not see any of that today. Like, mm-hmm. that was amazing." And I said, "Thanks." And I actually hurt myself during that audition. I had carpet burns on my arms because I was rolling around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Floor. And um, after I went home, I thought to myself, you know what? If I get offered the role in that movie, I'm not going to do it because I literally felt like there was something. I was going to a darker yeah. place, and I didn't want to go there. And I know, like, Heath Ledger, he he went to a dark place to play the Joker, and he played it brilliantly, but look what it did to his life. Right. You know, and I, I just, I don't want to take that risk. And, you know, part of acting is you're, you're, you're channeling, you know, and for the Tex-Mex role, I was channeling different performances that I saw from different actors and got their influence from there. But, you know, to play a demon possessed character, that's, um, that's a really dark thing to, to get into. And they emailed me back and they said, Hey, we loved your audition. We want, you know, you're, you're on deck for this role. We want you for this role. We'll keep you posted. And I emailed them back and I said, I appreciate that, but I'm really, I, I'm going to have to pass on this project because I don't feel like it's going to be a right fit for me. And I didn't really explain to them how I felt during the whole thing, but I kept it very professional. I said, I'm going to have to, to pass and just let it go. And they're like, Oh, that's a shame. Well, you know, we'll keep you in mind for the next one. So you just got to leave it at that. You don't want to burn yeah, a bridge yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. But that was probably the most scariest one that I, I had. But So you, you, know, you had I, your, I mean, you knew your boundaries you, when you, and maybe you didn't, but when you were there, you felt it and you said, this just isn't it, right? So uh, Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, you really you got to learn learn how to turn the on and off switch. Mm-hmm. And some people just let it go for a while, and I uh, I turned it off instantly when I was like, man, this is getting too <laughs> this is getting too dark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who in your life inspired you the most? To uh, to be an actor? Yeah. Well, it it really started with my older brother Greg. He went to film school, and he was always the the goofy guy in the family that would be over the top. And he he started acting too, and I kind of followed in his footsteps. And um, and it, the how I got the SAG commercial was because of him. You know, he went made to the audition, so he sent me. He had the agent send me out instead, and that's how I got the role. So definitely, you know, he was an influence to me. And then a lot of the big actors like, you know, Mel Gibson and Johnny Depp, they've all been inspirations to my career. And like Johnny Depp is a very versatile actor. Yeah, he is. And I like his versatility. And even Mel Gibson, too, like I've seen him play really good roles. And he also is a very good director. And he knows how to work well with the actors. He's an actress director. So, um those two guys are definitely a big influence to me and people like James Cameron and George Lucas and Spielberg. They're all, they're all amazing. You know, like Titanic, Titanic was one of the movies that really got me into this film industry. Just watching the, the, the massive scale of yeah. that movie and the huge just all the detail that yeah. he took. It felt like you were actually there. And that's the kind of movies I want to make too, is I want you to feel like you're there with those characters and um yeah those guys are the movers and shakers of our of our industry and i want to you know follow in their footsteps do you have a favorite book a favorite book i I don't (laughs) i don't have a favorite book no is there any kind of uh anything that you read or anything at all that i mean i guess question is how do you stay up to date around the acting um, well, I, I read what's, uh, you know, like articles that are on mainly just social media about, um, things that are happening in, in the business. And I always try to check the sources to make sure that they're true. Cause I've, I've seen rumors going around about certain things and I'm like, I got to make sure that that's false or true. Um, but I also read the, the newspaper and, I'm kind of like a guy that if I see a picture or a headline that catches my attention, I'll start reading that. I won't sit down and like read the entire paper front yeah, to back. Right, right, I right. browse and I'm like, oh, I want to read that. But but how so, how important is it, uh, you know, for the work that you do to stay current with articles that you read and whatnot? Um, no, I think it's very important. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, because if you're you're faced with that situation someday, or if somebody asks you about, hey, did you hear about this? Is this true? Um, then it's you got to know your facts. Like, for an example, the the new tax plan that was passed last year, people say, oh, you can't write stuff off anymore. Well, my tax guy said, oh, that's not necessarily true. If you still have ten ninety nine income. I can still write stuff off for you. Mm-hmm. But all these people were posting stuff uh, on Facebook saying, oh, all of our tax write-offs are gone because of that. And um, my tax guy said, no, you can, there's still some things I can write off for you. So keep all your receipts. Don't listen to what, what they're saying. And 
So I, I'm doing that. I'm doing just that. It was a perfect example. So, okay, um, uh, just to switch it up real quick. Um, would we like to put a little plug in for your another plan from outer space? How can people invest in, in you and your project well, right now? All right. Um, the movie is like almost 90, 90% done. We're just wrapping up the sound. It'll be done by the end of the, the month. And um, we've kind of left the end credits open right now okay. for anybody that wants to come in as a, like a last minute uh, investor or, even if they just want like a small associate producer credit, we, we usually offer those for like a hundred dollars, but your name would go on the credits of the movie and at the, uh, IMDB on the IMDB page. But if you want to be like an investor, I think that, um, the starting level is 500 or above when you get points on the back end. Um, yeah, you just, if you're interested, just email me at actor Hans two, two, three at AOL.com. Um, and then we, you know, we had an Indiegogo page for it a while ago, but, and the other way you can support the film is you come see it. If you're in Orlando, where our screening is August 25th at the Anzian Theater in Maitland, you can get your tickets on eventbrite.com. Just type in another plan from outer space, Orlando premiere. You'll find it there. And then the Los Angeles premiere is September 8th. And that's at the downtown independent theater at 7 p.m. And those tickets are also on Eventbrite under another plan from outer space, Los Angeles premiere. So that's another way you can do it. Or if you want to be a sponsor of those screenings, you want to promote your small business. We got, we locked in like three small businesses yesterday to promote or to be our sponsors for our screening. And those start off at like a hundred dollars. You know, your logo will go on the, um, the event details and there's going to be a sponsor table at the screening. So any people, any sponsors that have stuff, they can put their materials out on the table and it's a great networking opportunity as well. And they'll start at a hundred dollars, but you can just email me at actor Hans two, two, three at AOL.com. If you're interested in that. Okay. So that's actor Hans two, two, three at AOL.com. Yep. And that's eventbrite.com, where you can either watch a screening in Orlando or Los Angeles. Yep. Okay. Correct. That is awesome. That's very exciting. So, okay. So, uh, what advice would you have for people who would like to be, who are aspiring actors, who like to move to L.A. or New York and just really pursue this dream from all your experiences? What advice would you have? Well, the best advice I can give them is um, do your research before you move here. Find out the good areas to live and um, just be well prepared with uh, financial uh, backing. Make sure that you have enough money for, you know, your rent and um, food and groceries, all that good stuff. Um, but also take your time and research, like, all the casting companies that are out here. Like, one of the first things people do when they come out here is they go to Central Casting. That's great. Yeah. you got to do that because that's how you start getting your, your work, and then you got to find a good calling service. But um, also, be oh, be a little more open-minded. Like, people come out here, I want to be an actor, and that's it. Well, don't you want to do – don't you want to try, like, being a productionist? No, I just want to be an actor. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're a little more open-minded, you might find something that might fit your – your um 
it might click with you. And I never thought that it was going to happen to me. And I got an, an opportunity to be a, a casting reader. I never wow. thought I was going to do that. And I actually enjoy doing that because you get to watch good and bad actors all day. And you get to learn from that. Wow. Um, and being a production assistant, you get to learn all the ins and outs of being on set. So open up your mind and take all the opportunities that come your way. Even if it's not acting, if somebody says, hey, I need a reader for uh, the casting session, do it. Hey, I need a PA for the day. Do it. Just do it. Go out there and do it because you actually might like what you're doing. I never thought I was going to be a stand-in when I moved out here, and now I love doing it. You know? Yeah. So, so just... don't turn down an opportunity. Don't close the door because it's opening for you, and it might be a good thing for you later on down the road. Awesome. So just get out there, be smart about it, save up some money. Um, don't, you know, be open-minded, get involved, do whatever you can and learn about yourself. Sounds like yep. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Hans. It was a great thank pleasure you having you being here. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It was, it was a great chat. Awesome. I, I love talking with you guys. Awesome. Well, uh, tune in next week for another episode of Be Dream Do Radio. We have a studio director, author, and life coach, uh, Rockin' Robin, Robin Cote. Do what you love, love what you do. Thank you for joining David and his guest. Make sure to catch Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design every week right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com.